Throughout these weeks of Advent, the church has given us different kind of key figures to focus on on our journey toward Christmas. Particularly at the beginning of Advent, we were focusing on the prophet Isaiah especially. Really all the the prophets. We hear Baruch and today we hear Micah. But the, the prophet that really stands out during the season of Advent is that of the prophet Isaiah. He particularly has all those those beautiful prophecies of the coming of the Messiah. If anyone has been to hear a a performance or listen to the music of George Friedrich Handel and his famous oratorio Messiah, we hear over and over the uh, prophecies Isaiah sung, that the trumpet will sound, that the Messiah will come, he will be great, wonderful counselor, God, hero, father forever, prince of peace, Emmanuel, God with us. These are all the words of the the prophet Isaiah. So if you know Messiah, you know the prophet Isaiah. It's filled with messages of hope for Israel, foretells the coming of the Messiah. And so the church rightly starts Advent by reminding us of the promises that God had made in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, that pointed to his coming in time. Perhaps most famously, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Indeed, that prophecy is fully fulfilled in what we are about to celebrate next weekend. But then after the the prophet Isaiah, the second great figure of Advent that the church gives us is that of John the Baptist. He is kind of this, this great bridge figure between the old and the new. He is, as Jesus himself tells us, the greatest of those born of women the greatest prophet that there ever was. John has the the great privilege of announcing that everything Isaiah had prophesied is come true in Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is the Messiah. He is the fulfillment of the promise. Today in our gospel, we, we get to see John the Baptist at his beginning. Here in the, the womb of his mother, Elizabeth, Imagine the joy as John the Baptist, whose whole life mission is to go before the Lord, to proclaim his coming. Here, John the Baptist and Jesus meet for the first time. And what a joyful meeting it is. As soon as John the Baptist hears the voice of Mary, he knows that Jesus has come and he leaps for joy in the womb of Elizabeth, his mother. Sometimes I, I think we need look no further to know where, where does the great kind of pro-life witness in the church come from. Here we have two little fetuses in the wombs of their mothers who recognize each other. John the Baptist, only six months old in the womb of his mother, leaps for joy at the presence of, of Jesus, who can only be a, a few weeks just, a, just beyond the, the single cell that he began in the womb of Mary is, is now able to cause such great joy in all those around him. So John the Baptist, the second great figure, not only says that the Lord has come, but that our response should be to repent, make a better path, prepare better for his coming. The Lord is here and he is coming to each of our hearts. And so the answer of John is the command to repent. In the Greek, it's metanoete, literally change your minds, convert, turn around. You can go a different way 
everything must change because the Messiah has come. John the Baptist's message continues to echo for us today as we prepare for the coming of Jesus at Christmas, but really that Jesus comes every day and would that our reaction could be like that of John the Baptist, to leap for joy because the Lord is near. But finally, the last great figure of Advent that the church gives us on this fourth Sunday of Advent, we always turn to focus on the gospel passages about our blessed mother, Mary. Today, we get what is referred to as the visitation, that beautiful, joyful mystery of the rosary where Mary gets up and goes to visit her female relative, cousin, Elizabeth. Now, we know from earlier in the the scriptures, we need to kind of set the scene to understand today's gospel. First, Zechariah, the, the priest, the husband of Elizabeth, has received a vision in the temple that Elizabeth will conceive and bear a son, and his name is to be John. So that story has taken place in the southern area around Jerusalem, in the hill country of Judah, and so we've, we've heard that that has happened. But then right before today's gospel, we have perhaps the most important encounter in the history of the world. The angel Gabriel is sent to a town of Galilee called Nazareth to a woman betrothed to a man named Joseph, and the woman's name was Mary. We're told that she is a virgin. And the angel comes and tells her that she is to conceive and bear a son and is to name him Jesus, Yeshua in the Hebrew, Joshua. Literally, it means Yahweh's salvation. Names always mean things in the Old Testament. And so when the angel says you will conceive a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. This is the ultimate fulfillment of everything every prophet had hoped for. The moment has finally come from the time at the beginning of creation at the Garden of Eden when the first Eve said no to God, said, I do not trust God, and she took the fruit from the tree and her husband accepted it and also ate. From that moment, heaven was closed. Human beings were not allowed to go to heaven. We were banished in exile. But from that very moment, God had been preparing for this next encounter between Mary and the angel Gabriel. And in an amazing condescension in God's humility, he comes not to say, this is what God is going to do and you have nothing to say about it. Rather, he comes to Mary and although he's been preparing this plan for thousands of years, he allows it all to depend on whether or not this young, perhaps 15-year-old Jewish girl will say yes to God. God, thousands of years previously, had allowed everything to depend on would Eve say yes? And the first Eve said, no, I don't trust God. Not a very good precedent. God says, we'll try again. I'll propose to this new Eve the Blessed Virgin Mary, what will her answer be? Will she trust my plan? The angel says, this is what God desires, that you would conceive and bear a son who will be Yahweh's salvation. Mary 
being that she has consecrated her virginity to God, wonders how then can this be? And she asks the angel, I, I'm, I'm a virgin. I, I'm not going to be a mother. How, how can I bear the son of God? Then the angel says very important words that any Jew would, would hear with Hebrew ears. <clears throat> Gabriel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Now we hear overshadow and perhaps it doesn't ring in our ears the same way it would for the Jews. When Mary hears overshadow, she who knows her scriptures well knows that in the temple in Jerusalem, when the Ark of the Covenant was brought in and placed in the Holy of Holies, the word used is that the Spirit of God rushed into the temple and it overshadowed the Ark. This word overshadow is the word that is used to describe the presence of Yahweh in the temple in the Holy of Holies. And so Mary understands God is going to impregnate her with him very self. Notice that in the temple in Jerusalem was a physical box called the Ark of the Covenant. It was the presence of God, but within that Ark was, was just the Ten Commandments, some of the, the manna, the, the rod of Aaron, just physical worldly elements. And yet how holy the temple was. But now the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and proposes that God would dwell not in the temple in Jerusalem, but in her very womb. God wants to overshadow her and be present in her in a way that far surpassed the ark in the temple. And that was the holiest thing the Jews knew. Mary is to be the new and ultimate ark of the covenant. Mary is to fulfill everything that the old ark pointed to. It was a foreshadowing of what would happen in Mary. Notice then that it's all hanging in the balance here. It's a beautiful plan. It's a perfect plan of God, but it will not happen unless Mary says yes. Finally, Mary, after reflecting in her heart, she says one of the most beautiful lines. Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Handmaid, just literally the, the little servant girl, a, a slave even. Mary has just been told that she is to be the mother of God. She is the most special, the greatest woman, the greatest human being that has ever lived. She has the most special mission that anyone has ever received in the history of the world. And her first reaction to this is to say simply, I'm just a humble handmaid. The amazing humility of Our Lady. We see now that she gets right everything that Eve got wrong. She trusts God's word. She humbles herself and says, I I am a servant. I will do what the Lord wants me to do. And she says, fiat me, let it be done to me according to your word. 
That, that word, let it be, fiat in, in Latin, it's the same word that we see in the book of Genesis when God creates everything in the first place. God says, fiat lux, let there be light, and there is. Fiat is the word through which God created the world. The world then fell through sin, and here we have, thousands of years later, the most blessed chosen Virgin Mary, using that exact creative, powerful word, to say, fiat mihi secundum verbum tuum, let it be done to me. And with that, the world is recreated and saved. Because at that very moment, when Mary says fiat, just as God said fiat Luke's and there was Luke's, Mary says fiat, and God himself enters his own creation. This is... This is something beyond even probably what the prophets could understand would happen. People thought the, the Messiah would come. They thought he would be a great king, a great anointed one, certainly. But that God himself would choose to become a little baby and enter his own creation. It's astounding. And only probably the humility of, of the Blessed Virgin Mary could have received this and believed it. And that gives rise to today's gospel. Because immediately after this incredible miracle, she now holds God within herself. It's just a single cell zygote, as we say in modern scientific language. God is a single cell human being in her womb, powerfully now growing in the new Ark of the Covenant. This handmaid, this servant girl of the Lord of such humility, her first reaction is to hear that the angel Gabriel also told her that behold, your relative Elizabeth, who everyone thought was sterile, well, she's conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her. Mary's first thought is, I need to go help my cousin Elizabeth. She's pregnant, I'm going to go see her. And she travels a long journey from up in the north in Galilee down to the hill country of Judah. And again, any good Jew would immediately hear this story and know what's happening. They would hearken back to the Old Testament when King David brought the Ark of the Covenant from the house of Obed-Edom, where it was staying, to the new temple in Jerusalem, or to the spot that would be the temple. When that Ark was to come, David exclaimed, Who am I that the Ark of the Lord would come to me? When Elizabeth hears the greeting of Mary, she exclaims, Who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And again, hearing it with Jewish ears, my Lord is a, is a very pregnant word. <laughs> no pun intended. It literally is the word that the Jews use to refer to Yahweh. His proper name is, is probably something like Yahweh, given to Moses in the burning bush. But in order to not take the name of the Lord in vain, they would not say God's proper name, Yahweh. They would instead say the Hebrew word Adonai, which means Lord. You see this in Greek as kurios, we say it every mass, kyrie, eleison, Lord. It's the word for God. When Elizabeth says, who am I that my Lord, the mother of my Lord should come to me? She's the first one to proclaim Mary as mother of God. Who am I that the mother of Adonai, the mother of God should come to me? The same way David said he was unworthy to receive the ark. And then we see that as John the Baptist leaps for joy in the womb of his mother, David did the same thing, leaping and dancing in front of the ark as he brought it to Jerusalem. 
Any Jew would hear this and know exactly what's going on here. Mary is the new ark. John the Baptist is leaping like David. The ark is coming to the house of Elizabeth. And then Elizabeth proclaims what we all proclaim day after day after day. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. How beautiful it must be to Our Lady's ears and her rosary as we pray that prayer over and over. And she remembers as we pray this beautiful encounter with Elizabeth. And then, perhaps most beautiful, she finds that Elizabeth is in fact pregnant. Elizabeth knows that Mary is pregnant. I can't help but think that when the angel Gabriel left Mary, there was no proof that anything he had said was true. Mary had supposedly conceived, but what woman would know with just a single cell human being in her that she's conceived? The angel says that Elizabeth is conceived, but what proof is there of that? Mary trusts all of this. She has no proof that anything Gabriel has said is true, but she acts knowing that it's true, and she goes to find Elizabeth, and when she gets there, in fact, she is six months pregnant. And Elizabeth says, Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. Mary believed Gabriel, certainly, but she also believed Isaiah. She believed the prophets. She believed everything that was written in scripture. And so she goes. Can't help but think that this last line is also a message for all of us. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken by the Lord would be fulfilled. None of us were there 2,000 years ago on Christmas to see Jesus. We didn't walk the earth with him like his apostles. We didn't see Jesus die on Good Friday. We didn't encounter him risen from the dead. And yet, blessed are we who have believed everything that has been written in the scriptures. We believe the prophet Isaiah. We believe John the Baptist who says, prepare the way of the Lord. And we believe everything that was fulfilled in Mary. And yet, as we hear and every Easter season, uh, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I think this is a little message for all of us as we prepare to celebrate Christmas, an event that we are here because we profess this is true. We know it happened. We put our faith in it and like Mary, we go. We go to this church every Sunday to proclaim that Christ the Lord has been born he is here with us. He is here in the Eucharist. He is here in our hearts and we live it. We go like Mary did. We go to the hill countries. We go to proclaim the good news, not having seen, but like our blessed mother. If there's any way that we could be like her, I think it's the fact that we believe and we go 2,000 years later, continuing to do as Mary did. As we prepare now in this great week to celebrate the birth of Emmanuel prophesied by Isaiah, the birth of the Lamb of God proclaimed by John the Baptist when he came. Perhaps we could do no better this week than to prepare by becoming as much as we can like our Blessed Mother. For surely no one received the Christ child more worthily than she did. May we be humble. May we be true servants of the Lord. And as we have this great message, perhaps this week we can go to people who need to hear this message. Go to that relative of yours that maybe you haven't seen, that you're estranged from. Go reconcile, as John the Baptist said, with anyone who has anything against you. Let that be our goal this week. Like Mary, let's go. 
She's pregnant, Jesus is coming, and she goes to set things right. Let's, let's us do that this week. So that next weekend as we celebrate the appearance of Jesus on earth as a little baby, we might be filled with the Holy Spirit as Mary was. May God, through our baptism, truly overshadow us, that we, pregnant with the good news of Jesus, may go out, even to the hill country, because we believe, and blessed are we who believe that what was spoken to us in the sacred scriptures by the Lord has been fulfilled, is being fulfilled every day, and will ultimately be fulfilled at the end of time. Blessed are we who believe.